Hello, and welcome back to The Broad Perspective. Uh, I'm your host, Megan Cruz, and this is a podcast where we talk about movies, and we talk about the reasons why uh, they're considered classics, all the things, all the factors that go into uh, why movies stick around, why people continue to talk about movies, and what societal implications might affect uh, which movies <laughs> those are. Uh, you know, sort of to broaden your perspective on what movies uh, could and should be considered uh, all-time greats. Uh, this week, it's interesting we have that introduction because this week, I don't know that I would consider the movie we're talking about this week as an as an all-time great. I certainly think uh, people are going to be talking about it for a while, uh, but we're talking about Madam Web. Um, initially, I wasn't going to do an episode on Madam Web. I, I have I made a TikTok about it. It got a lot of it got a lot of views. Um, and I've talked before about how I don't love to be super negative. Um, I, I, I will say that I think my opinion on critique has, has changed many times since I started doing this uh, in like a public way. Initially, I found that there was a lot of like toxicity uh, in fandom, in film spaces. And obviously, this is something that I've talked about dealing with like throughout many, many periods of my life. But I didn't really like being in those super negative echo chambers. I didn't really like contributing to super negative echo chambers. Um, and I think that there's like this gut instinct for a lot of people when a, a film or a piece of media that you love is about subject matter that you feel like a personal attachment to, regardless of whether the piece of media actually resonated with you. If it's about subject matter or characters that you feel like you can relate to, uh, or is thematically resonant, I feel like there's this gut instinct to kind of defend it. Um, and honestly, I fell into that for a long time because the spaces on the internet can be so fucking horrible. I mean, the amount of times I have had people tell me that they don't like a movie because women are in it, um, or they say things like, well, of course I hate the movie. This is woke garbage, but uh, how, how could you call me sexist? That's not, that's not what it is. And you know, of course, then you have these people that have this <laughs> this definition of of misogyny that just means, well, I can't be misogynist. I, where did I say that I hate women? Um, which, of course, is wild when you compare that to any other form of marginalization, because like, obviously, there are there's there are more ways to be bigoted than just outright saying I don't like you. Um, so it's it's interesting. But I feel like in the last year specifically, I've really come around to the idea of like the value that critique adds. I, I don't think that critiquing a piece of media is an indictment on a creator. I don't think that it means that you think that they're untalented or they're not smart or that they didn't know what they were doing. I think especially with film, you never really know how it's going to come out. And so many filmmakers have talked about this, have talked about how difficult it is to know before it's happening before you see the finished project if it's really going to come together and there are countless films that had really tumultuous uh sets and productions and like when i talk about frozen 2 for example i get so many so much pushback so many comments from people saying things like oh well when the documentary came out you know frozen 2 is everyone knows it's it's terrible and it's terrible because the filmmakers didn't know what they were doing the production was so stressful and horrible and and it was just scrapped together at the last minute but that's the case for a lot of movies actually i mean like jaws for example no one thought that that was going to be successful steven spielberg himself you know thought it was going to be the end of his career um, so, you know, I think that it's, it's a bit more complicated than people want to give it credit for. That being said, 
Um, there are a lot of technical elements to filmmaking that I think, in the case of Madam Web, in the case of a lot of just inarguably bad movies, there should there were warning signs. There were warning signs that should have been glaring, flashing headlights from the very beginning. Um, I don't really want to get in too much to the nitty gritty details. I mean, I could go on forever about just the the wild way that this movie is constructed. And believe me, I know it's a superhero movie. You have to su suspend your disbelief a little bit. But the amount of times I was watching this movie and I'm like, they're in the fucking forest, let alone the fact that these girls, I, listen, okay, I should just say, I guess, spoilers from Adam Webb at this point. Um, I don't think any of these spoilers will will affect your viewing experience negatively. Honestly, they might enhance it. You could look out for the Easter eggs of the batshit things that this movie tries to convince you are normal. Um, but if you care about that, you should know going in. Um, but yeah, there's a scene where these girls are hiding out in the forest because Madam Webb, C Cassandra, Cassandra Webb, Cassie, uh, has taken these girls into the forest to hide them. How she knows that there is surveillance that is tracking them, I do not know because this is apparently cutting edge technology in 2003 that, uh, I, what's his name? Ezekiel got his hands on. Um, which, by the way, here's another thing that I love about it. The scene where, um, what's her name from Girls? Zosie Mamet, uh, is telling him, first of all, he's like, uh, of course, I pay you a lot of money to be evil like me, a mustache twirl. <laughs> uh, you should do the bad things that I tell you to do, because I'm not giving up what I've worked hard for. I am definitely and meticulously, mysteriously alluding to a, a, a past hardship that I will never elaborate on, and I am barefoot, inexplicably. Uh, but anyways... <laughs> There is a point. He, She's using this cutting-edge technology, and she says, well, these are the girls' faces, as you remember them, from your dream. What? I'm sorry, what the fuck? This, this technology in 2003, is there a brain link that I missed that they didn't explain in the movie that, like, he can upload the faces that he saw in their dream? Was there a police sketch artist that does photorealism? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> But not only do they have these these you know uh, headshots of of these girls perfectly from his from his dreams, uh, but then they can age them back and they look so different. Like when when she's like, "Oh, I didn't realize they looked so young." I was like, "What the fuck are you talking?" They look exactly the same. Anyways, they're in the forest hiding out from this surveillance technology that Cassie somehow knows they need to get away from. I don't I don't know. Uh, and when they decide to go to the diner, which is a whole nother thing, uh, they just walk away from this fire that they built. They're like, let's just, we're just going to leave this fire burning in the forest. There's a million examples like that. Like the dancing on the table to Britney Spears is already like, what, what are we doing here? But the fact that the reason why they get found out is some guy is reading a paper that has their pictures in it. When it was like two hours earlier that madam, that these girls were abducted. <laughs> What paper, what paper is this? I don't, it's amazing. It's truly, it's incredible. Um, and front page news too, for a teenage, teenagers going missing in New York City. I, there's so many things like that, that I could nitpick that I'm not, this isn't, you know, no, not meant or derogatorily necessarily, but this isn't CinemaSins. I'm not here to critique. I understand that a suspension of disbelief is necessary in these kinds of movies. But my point is, the way that this is narratively constructed is batshit insane. Like, nothing in this movie makes sense. It's it's also shock, a shockingly little amount of actual events happen in the movie, which I just, I mean, the amount of time that's spent at a baby shower 
is baffling, truly, honestly. <laughs> Even the scene afterwards, when they're called to the exploding firework house for some for some reason, which again, everything in this movie is ridiculous. That scene also takes it fucking forever. I, I think that the time travel gimmick thing could have been done really well. There's obviously a lot of really cool time travel movies. Um, but the fact that the fact that this movie primarily uses this this, you know, clairvoyancy, this this ability to look into the future um power as well, these scenes are super boring and you're going to have to watch them 12 times <laughs> is just the worst possible way to execute that superpower on screen. But honestly, and I said this in my in my TikTok review as well, the biggest issue that I have with this movie is that A, it didn't swing big enough. There was just nothing, nothing interesting, no motivation. The characters were so flat. And if you're just going to be a boring staple trying to be a cash grab, like this, this film clearly resented its audience so much. I, what I really wanted to talk about with this episode is I've seen people suggest that Sony and perhaps other studio executives make female-led tentpole comic book movies like Madam Web uh, intentionally poorly. They do a bad job on purpose uh, so as to have the excuse, well, that didn't do well. We should we don't have to make female-led superhero movies anymore. And to be honest, I think that that is it's a reasoning that feels tempting to latch on to, but it doesn't really make sense. Um, and I think it's kind of doing a discredit to the amount of implicit bias and a lot more like sinister covert ways that misogyny uh, and I mean all forms of bigotry, but specifically misogyny in the film industry um, takes place. You know, I, I, I don't know if people are familiar uh, with the concept of Hanlon's razor. Uh, and, and that concept is never assume malice, which is adequately explained by stupidity. And not to be too harsh on studio executives. I mean, I feel like it's kind of too late at this point in my career, but I genuinely think that the vast majority of what you can chalk this up to is stupidity and not just stupidity, ineptitude unwillingness to even try to understand their audience i genuinely think that a, a big issue uh when we talk about female-led superhero movies is the amount that studios like sony get very intensely involved in the process and try to please everyone i <laughs> the, the sony e leak emails uh from a few years ago when andrew garfield was spider-man come to mind which are absolutely hilarious things like how how the executives were convinced that they should integrate into the plot um in a very <laughs> meaningful way terms like nbd no big deal to translate for the gen z listeners um nbd means no big deal uh this was apparently according to the sony executives huge for millennials hugely important aspect of our of our lives Things like that, you know, that's so random. These were these were core concepts that these studio executives thought would really appeal to the youths. Um, and studio interference has been consistently an issue. When people talk about like Madam Web, you know, saying Madam Web is definitely uh, intentionally bad to have this excuse that women, you know, women-led superhero movies shouldn't exist. I just think you can you can look so easily back to Morbius. You can track with Sony specifically a long line of products 
where it just seems like they have absolutely no interest in even trying to understand their consumer. Um, and they're just like firing shots in the dark. And there's definitely the concept of the glass cliff, you know, this idea that when there's already a sinking ship, that's when they make a woman the captain. Because when the ship goes down and they say, why did this ship sink? They have someone to point to and it's conveniently a woman. I do think that, that that's absolutely a real thing, for sure. But in the case of Hollywood movies, I think that the, the primary motivator for these people is money. And it doesn't matter if we're talking about Marvel Studios and the MCU and incorporating diversity and inclusion because it financially benefits them. Or if we're talking about Sony and Madam Web and Morbius and the upcoming Craven the Hunter and just like literally doing anything, doing anything they think might make them money. And this is where I think the implicit bias and the more under the surface uh, misogyny comes into play because I think that studio executives uh, don't really see uh, women as important enough to even try to understand. I, I don't think they genuinely believe that women make a, up a significant portion of their their target audience. Um, and I think that they really think that they have to continue to placate their male audience. I mean, we've seen it time and time again. It was just announced that the uh, planned Silk series that's supposed to come out of Amazon, which I believe Sony is still a producer on, uh, is retooling. They are they removed their entire writer's room other than the showrunner, who is a woman. Uh, and they've said that they're going to reconceptualize the series for a more male skewing audience. Silk, you know, Cindy Moon, Spider Woman, uh, again, another female led project uh, that is going to be designed to appeal to young men, um, which is unfortunate for a character like Cindy Moon, who's already been wildly over-sexualized um, even even by comic book standards. But yeah, I think that that's really what it is. I think that we see these these stars and filmmakers go on press tours where they've obviously been spoon-fed this, this company line of this is a feminist story. This is from a female perspective. Um, and that's really the extent of it. Uh, you know, these studio heads really think that they can paint a feminist message on a billboard and say... You did it, girls. And that's that's their idea of feminism. You know, you include some women, you make the bad guy a man, and that's feminism, baby. Bing, bang, boom. Anyways, we look at these these characters, you know, this, this modern phenomenon of the strong female character, the much maligned, you know, Mary Sue trope. Oh. And even in their most offensive, their most peak woke, you know, iterations, they're still absolutely meeting the beauty standard. They are still sexy, even when they wear jumpsuits that cover their whole body and you don't have a fucking boob window like Power Girl. They're still hot. They're still absolutely beautiful. It's still this idealized version of a woman. And it's interesting because I think that if we look at the way that women on film have been portrayed through the years there's something to be said about the way women were portrayed like between the 60s through the 80s i think that film was still experimental enough even though it's obviously a post Hayes code era um there's a lot of interesting writing about the way that women were portrayed before the Hayes code and you know the, obviously that was an era in hollywood where women had a lot more autonomy the very early days of filmmaking uh you know trailblazers like aliski blosh uh, who was one of the first narrative filmmakers ever, uh, you know, Hollywood was filled with women who were directing. And, you know, 
there weren't rules and regulations that said that women had to behave well on screen or that they couldn't depict, you know, queer sapphic love. Even in the 40s and the 50s, like honestly, this era where film was still new, I feel like it's very rare now that there's new techniques being developed. There's new stories being told. And I mean, honestly, all stories are recycled. <laughs> stories have been being told for millennia. So what is really new under the sun? But we look at, you know, nonlinear storytelling and lighting and camera techniques that were developed over this relatively long period of time, you know, when film was being able to be explored in this kind of naturalistic way. And now I feel like it's a byproduct of late stage capitalism and just the fact that so many people in the early days of filmmaking, people were inspired by other art forms and, you know, conceptual ideas. I feel like now most filmmakers are inspired by other films. So they're all going to be a little bit slightly more derivative. I mean, that's just a natural byproduct of the way art develops. And I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily. Like, I don't think the first version of something is necessarily the best. So people should stop trying. But what I'm getting at here is that I think that's reflective in the way that women are depicted on screen as well. I mean, you could argue the same for men and children and any group, I suppose. Um, but obviously, this is the perspective I'm talking about in this specific example. So when I think about the way that women really started being presented in a way that I noticed as strange, it's the 90s and the 2000s. And I think that, you know, when we when we think about, you know, women-led, women-focused films from this time, this is when the term chick flicks rose to popularity. This is when this super dismissive idea of women's movies came into play and everything had to be pink washed and all of the girls, you know, this is, I mean, I think that, I don't, I don't mean to say this in a, in a way that is necessarily incredibly upset with this. I think that there, there is a lot of value into the way that women were portrayed in these times. I think that like, I grew up on the Spice Girls. I think that even though it's capitalistic and simplistic and in a lot of ways a very shallow depiction of it i think that like the girl power era ha did did a lot did a lot of fun interesting things um and i also think that despite that we still got some really authentic portrayals of femininity on screen um in any case i think that it is ironically a, often a more authentic portrayal of womanhood than what we've got now and I think you could argue that in the 2010s up until now there's been a pretty vast overcorrection and it's not just because studios you know were pressured to you know incorporate inclusivity and as some people would put it you know wokeness I think that it's also because there's this idea that women need to be pleasing to whatever audience you're trying to please and I think in the 2000s, there was this idea, you know, it was the sex in the city was the heyday. It was this idea that we could liberate ourselves through sexual liberation and embracing our femininity and turning uh, things that had been lobbied against us forever uh, into moments of empowerment. And while I think that every step of our progress is important for its own reasons, obviously that doesn't quite hit the full mark in what, what we're hoping to achieve. And it seems like what's happened with female representation in media and particularly the strong female character that we see so frequently in comic book movies and action movies that are led by women or directed by women is this idea that, you know, we should be allowed to be stoic and serious and strong. And I think that there's always been a struggle 
in in incorporating any kind of unlikable characteristics in female characters. I genuinely think that anytime you're creating a female character, as far as giving her a realistic sense of like a balance of likable versus unlikable character traits, you're going to be fighting an uphill battle. People are far less forgiving, no matter what kind of character it is. Um, when it's a woman, when you're incorporating things that are going to be prickly and women still tend to be over sexualized and meet the beauty standard uh, while, you know, it seems like the overcorrection has been incorporating masculine traits, you know, well, the strength, they need to be incredibly strong. They can do all the things that men can do. It seems like they desperately want women to know and to the point where they will explicitly say it on screen that they can be strong. You know, they can feel their emotions and still be strong. They can beat up the boys and cry about their trauma. But this is just another attempt to categorize women into something singular and easy to digest. The irony is that even this is too complex for many male audiences. The problem with implicit bias is that it means even the best written female characters are always fighting an uphill battle. Uh, it's clear that studios are very hesitant to give us an actually complex woman on screen. And I hate to say it, but they do have solid reasoning. You know, introducing any character with any flaws that's a woman typically doesn't go over super great. So studios avoid it altogether. Or they make their flaws something incredibly subtle, like a fear of intimacy. And then the characters get labeled a Mary Sue. I, the problem is this is self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, these people, they don't care to understand their audience. They don't care to explore, you know, a real feminine experience, at least not in the context of superhero movies. And it's so funny to me that the context for this conversation is Madam Web because this is such a unique example in that nothing, nothing in this movie, this is, this is a movie made for no one. But I mean, in the comments of my Madam Web review, I got so many people comparing it to like the Marvels or Wonder Woman 1984 or Birds of Prey. And let me just say, I have waxed poetically about Birds of Prey many times in my life. Birds of Prey is one of the only female comic book movies, female-led comic book movies that is genuinely, astoundingly excellent. I think that this film is unabashedly feminine, but it also doesn't even try to express a universal experience of womanhood. Harley Quinn is a character that is so unique. And obviously the film employs the use of an unreliable narrator and she's Harley fucking Quinn. So it never ever tries to be expressly relatable. It never tries to bend over backwards explaining why the character does anything, which I think is something super rare with women on screen, particularly women in these kinds of roles, because every motivation has to be meticulously explained so that people don't hold it against her. If she does something that's unlikable, people need to know. It's because her mom died when she was five years old and she's really sore about it, you know, Cruella. Um, and, and that's, it, it's just so fucking limiting. But it's not that I necessarily need every female character to be Amy Dunn from Gone Girl. I just would like a female character who can be selfish sometimes. We all can be selfish sometimes. Who doesn't have to have some 12-part fucking tragic backstory to explain, you know, why she was kind of rude to this guy on the subway. You know, like it's it's just so tedious and tiresome and it doesn't depict womanhood in any kind of authentic sense. And I think we will get to a point in about 10 years or so where we look back on this time and it feels just as shallow as the 2000s um, in incomplete portrayal of womanhood, I'll say. Um, and I think that, you know, if you look at indie films, 
it, there's there's obviously so much more. It's not just limited to this. But I think it is important to factor in the blockbusters and, you know, the movies that get the most attention and sell the most tickets because that's what most people are seeing. I think it really can't be understated how important feminine representation in huge, ridiculous, stupid movies like this are. I think that people want to dismiss them and say, oh, well, if you want real representation, you have you should you shouldn't be so stupid. You shouldn't be so basic. You shouldn't be so boring in your taste. You should, you know, watch Celine Siama. But the fact of the matter is not only is this targeting a younger audience, but a lot of audiences are not going to seek out the kinds of films that people you know, want to point to to say this is our idealistic representation. So I think it is hugely important. And I think it is, you know, on an executive level, a massive failure to write these movies off in their significance. And that's what I mean when I say that I don't think Madam Web is a movie that was intentionally made to be bad. I don't think they would understand how to make it bad to begin with. I don't think they, to, to understand how to make it ma bad, they would have to understand how to make it well. I think that it's undercutting the severity of the issues and how insidiously women are kind of pushed to the side in this industry in a way that happens behind the screen and on the screen. Um, I feel genuinely so badly for director S.J. Clarkson. I mean, and honestly, the entire cast and a lot of the people involved in Madam Web, because when a script has as many edits as Madam Web did, and I mean, honestly, you know, the Marvels had a lot of screenwriters. A lot of these recent Marvel projects have been retooled and reshaped and everybody's got their ha hand, you know, in the pot because it has to co collaborate and corroborate with a million other projects. And I don't I don't think that these this franchise, these kinds of movies need to last forever. I really don't. But I do think that these kinds of movies just by by really what I mean is just the blockbuster genre are always going to be important because they're the movies that people see. It makes me sad that when women are in these positions or in these roles, it feels like there's just less people who are willing to give a shit. It does feel like these movies are are from the jump given less of a shot. And that that's something that just doesn't sit right with me. I think what hurts me the most is when movies like Birds of Prey get lumped into all of this. When People start saying, Madam Web is a terrible movie. And listen, I am with you. I think I've made it very clear that I think it is an utter failure in every possible regard. But but you can't deny the fact that just because it's terrible doesn't mean that people immediately want to lump it in and say every other female-led superhero movie is also bad. And this is following a pattern. And it's just proof that, you know, women and wokeness are, you know, ruining everything. Yes, I get more defensive about Birds of Prey because I think it's objectively excellent. Um, Birds of Prey is is a movie that I feel like defies every single one of these stereotypes that I was talking about. I think that, you know, you can make the case for all of these films, even critically acclaimed films like Wonder Woman, that still plays into stereotypes and tropes and still still centers men in a large faction of the story and still feels very narratively unchallenging. I think a lot of these films that manage to do these things well, still, um, it's just not, it's not breaking the mold. It's not challenging anything. It's not suggesting that a film made by and for women would be inherently different on a molecular level, which, which I think, of course it would be. I think, of course it would be different in every possible way. And that's what I love about Birds of Prey. I love that it is a breakup movie. I love that it is a movie about how fucking 
shitty it is to go through something like that. It's so unapologetic in depicting sorrow and misery and despair and the fact that girls can be fucking pathetic, you know? I mean, I compare it to a movie like Forgetting Sarah Marshall or High Fidelity, you know, these wonderful breakup movies that men get to be the worst. They get to be the worst versions of themselves and we still love them, you know? And I think Birds of Prey might have missed for people because it really isn't an action movie in the way people want it to be. It's structurally so different. I think, you know, the use of nonlinear storytelling and the unreliable narrator is is perfect for Harley Quinn. It's perfect for a Harley Quinn story. And something that's frustrated me for a long time is the fact that a lot of the creative choices in the way that Harley Quinn's character is portrayed on screen are attributed to James Gunn, like because of the Suicide Squad, you know, the dream sequences and the incorporating animation and like Harley Vision, that kind of thing are things that Birds of Prey did first. And I love James Gunn, don't get me wrong, but Kathy Yan made creative decisions with that movie that impacted not just the way Harley Quinn appeared in the DC universe, but impacted the style and tone of the entire DC universe well before it had even really been established. Birds of Prey is a movie that feels distinctly female because it allows you to live in those moments that women are not supposed to show people. Women are not supposed to show us rotting in bed. We're not supposed to show us wallowing and being pathetic and being sad. I mean, women are supposed to feel shame about these things. Women are supposed to, you know, be put together and polite and and not not cry in public because it makes men feel uncomfortable. I think Honestly, what I love the most about Harley Quinn as a character is she is the crazy bitch that we've all been told our entire lives that we are and we desperately don't want to be. She is the polar opposite of the cool girl. She cannot keep her shit together. She unapologetically dotes on anyone that she feels affection for. She does not hide her emotions as soon as they come to the surface and not in a Carol Danvers, you have to control it, you know, oh, I'm stepping into my power moment in a completely unhinged kind of way. And maybe that makes me weird for being able to relate to it. But when I've gone through breakups, hell, even when people have ghosted me after two weeks, I have felt clinically fucking insane with the way that I want to react to that. And I think that in, with the rise of apps like TikTok and the rise of, you know, people being oversharing in a lot of ways on the internet, you know, we've seen more of that. But in traditional media, in film, it's not something that we're super familiar with. When we see women go crazy in film, it's often in like the femme fatale, sexy in a male gazy kind of way, which again, I... I don't necessarily have a problem with in and of itself. I just think that there needs to be balance with also batshit crazy, like psychopath women like Harley Quinn. And this is the issue when it comes to having a reactionary defensive response when people criticize media made by and for women. If your automatic response is you just didn't like it because it's about women, we are doing ourselves a disservice. We are preventing ourselves from having these conversations. It's absolutely true that for a lot of people, that is going to be the case. It's absolutely true that there are going to be men, and not just men, but often men, who see stories like this. And regardless, before it even comes out, you know, you get the wave of review bombing that happens before something even comes out every single time. And there are going to be men like that always. But what I am suggesting is that we take that into account. We understand that there are always going to be reactions like that. And instead of hunkering down and doubling down on our defensiveness of any piece of slop that media executives do not even care to try to do well for us, 
I think we owe it to ourselves to demand a better product, a better, more authentic representation, because what they're trying to speak to is us. What they're trying to get to is us. And I know that might sound ridiculous because obviously I don't see the fucking future and I don't have, you know, I didn't fall into a vat of acid turning me psycho that I know of, honestly. Would I even be able to tell? I, I don't know. Who's to say? Um, but regardless, I, I just think that I've spent time defending things from people. I have spent so much time refusing to be critical of things because I don't want to participate in an online hate barrage that's fueled by misogyny or racism or bigotry. But I also think that we've reached a point now where we have to understand that film is not just art. It is entertainment. It is a product. It is something that is being sold on a consumer level. And if we stop demanding that that art be something of value, something that's contributing, something real, not just necessarily to society. I mean, I think a lot of people would roll their eyes at the concept that a film would be a meaningful contribution to society, but not me. But my point is, the media we see is is hugely influential on us. It's hugely influential on children and adults. Honestly, it changes public perception. It's it's widely important. And I think I think the reliance, I think that what the internet has done is fostered a a team mentality. You know, you're either on this team or you're on that team. And believe me, I never want to find myself having arguments that align with the bigots, with the incels, with the fucking morons. But I also think that I have contributed to not being as critical as I should have been of products that are being sold to me from a company that wants my money, first and foremost. And I think that it's important to be critical of that. I think it's important to say, if you're trying to speak for me, if you're trying to represent me, if you are trying to speak to children and give them something to look up to, to help them understand themselves better, we deserve better. I mean, we certainly deserve better than Madam Web. I, <laughs> I definitely think so. And it's hard. It's really fucking hard because I want to come out with my full chest and say I don't think 95% of the response to Madam Web is based in misogyny. Like I said, there are for sure people who just saw the fucking poster and said, for women, I don't like that. But I think I think we've reached a point where we have to we have to kind of push those people to the side. They're not important. They're really not. It's hard to ignore them because they're loud and they're terrible and they can make it personal and they can be the worst. But it's not helping anything to defend art that doesn't speak to anything meaningful, that is, in fact, a pile of fucking nonsense just because we don't want to find ourselves on the same side of the fence as these idiots once or twice. Um, that being said, I don't think many people are doing that in the case of Madam Web, but this is, this is just for an example. You know, this is just for an example. There are many other films and projects that have come out specifically in the Marvel machine in, in recent months and years that I, I don't think are that great. I did watch the Marvels recently, and I I hate to disappoint people. I know that this is this is not what people want to hear. This is not specifically what my audience wants to hear, but I don't think it was a very good movie. And of course, I don't blame Nita Costa. Absolutely not. I, I th I've seen her Candyman. I've seen her film Little Woods, and she is undoubtedly remarkably talented. But this film 
is a mess. And I think it's a mess in the same way that a, that a lot of male-led projects are. I think it's more episodic than it is anything else. You can't really go into it blind. And it's not just because you would need to watch the Miss Marvel TV show. It's because the way these films are structured at this point, it's with the implicit understanding that you have to know something about these characters, all of these characters, and the world they live in before going in to really get anything out of it. It's, it's even hard for me to try to be fully objective about these films because I've seen all of them. And I think for anyone going in who hasn't seen all of these films, this film would seem utterly chaotic and confusing and unfun because they've spent no time with these characters. When I was watching the Marvels, there was definitely the first 20 minutes of the Marvels is so fucking awesome. The entire concept of it, the way that they first start switching bodies and their fight scene, I was having a blast. I found myself literally giggling. I was like, this is gonna be awesome i knew everyone was wrong about this movie that was my immediate response but it all went downhill from there and I, again with the marvels i feel like being forced into this box this box of having to have so many hands in the pot you just can't please everyone you can't go as bonkers enough as you want to you know the musical planet was interesting but not bonkers enough honestly and too short-lived and the the dynamic between the characters felt so rushed obviously marvel has you know a, a shallow villain problem they've had it since the very beginning so again i don't think that this film is unique in that way and that's that's i think the crux of the issue is that i find myself not wanting to be critical of these projects because i would be critical of all of them in the same way but for a lot of these fans with implicit biases and bigotry they only notice the problems in the films that have diversity that have women in the leads that have black women as the villain and the hero um and that's that's not something I can ignore. That being said, I don't want to just defend everything because, because there are people who are making disingenuous arguments as well. The Marvels is a movie that I wanted to love, that I wanted to love since the very first trailer, which I thought was a blast. I think that the whole concept is great. I think, I think after I watched The Marvels, what I really wished that it had was like a Dagobah-type sequence. And... <laughs> I think that the Marvels could have been an Empire Strikes Back moment. I think that, you know, without studio interference, without the MCU kind of being in shambles right now, it could have had a more clear direction. And I think if it had like a Dagobah type sequence where these girls got stranded together and had to genuinely bond, not have a five minute montage of them learning how to use each other's powers. And that, you know, makes Monica and Carol's problems all better. And that makes that makes Kamala just, you know, be one of them already. I think it needed more slumber party vibes. I think it needed a training sequence. Um, and I, gener I generally hate when people say that I need to see how these girls get their powers, but I do think it was kind of, it, they just all of a sudden were fucking excellent at the shit. And I, I think that, you know, it would have been cool to see them not only doing a, a practice power up training sequence, but it having slumber party vibes. It being Dagobah meets like Sugar and Spice. I don't know if you've seen this movie, Sugar and Spice, which is fantastic, but it's about a bunch of cheerleaders who decide to rob a grocery store because one of them is pregnant and she needs money. And they like hatch this plan while they're having a sleepover and watching Point Break, you know? I need I need some of that those vibes in this movie and, and make it weirder. It was clearly influenced by the success of James Gunn's Guardians trilogy. I love that the cosmic era is, is trying to go for it, but it didn't go hard enough and the emotional moments didn't hit for me. I, I wanted to like it more than I did, but I just unfortunately couldn't. Like I said, though, it's even admitting this is hard for me because I for so long have been trying to restrain my thoughts about things like this 
because the internet is such a fucking difficult place to have these kinds of nuanced discussions. And I say all this with the absolute understanding that there are going to be people who disagree with me. There are going to be people who think that Marvels was great. There is undoubtedly at least one person who thinks that Madam Web was genuinely good. And I really wish that I could meet that person. But this is my truth. And I think that it's important that we start accepting that critical response is important. I think it's going to be a lot more prevalent in the coming years as we kind of critically reassess these kinds of movies that have women in the lead that exist as like an outlier. You know, the Captain Marvels, the Wonder Womans that came way late after the superhero craze had basically already reached its peak and the kinds of women stories that were told. I mean, I didn't even get into fucking Black Widow, but if you're a longtime follower, you know how I feel about Black Widow as a character. I mean, I think I've had the discussion so many times about the fact that just the fact that the first woman they decided to introduce was this super sexy spy character whose entire creation was to be a, you know, sexed up femme fatale. I think, you know, I have these conversations with men and they say, oh, well, of course Black Widow had to be that. Like, she's Black Widow. And I'm like, yeah, they could have introduced any fucking character. The Wasp was a founding member of the fucking Avengers. But of course, Natasha's the first one they introduce. And they only give her her own movie after she's fucking dead. I'm not going to get into a Black Widow rant here. But my point is, as much as I have enjoyed these movies for what they were, and I mean the entire comic book peak that we've had in the past few years, not just the female-led films, I do think that my opinions on them have changed greatly in the past few years. And I think that as we continue to move forward, people will look at them differently. People will, specifically the way that women have been represented. I think that there's already been a lot of great conversation about the the, the ways that these movies are not successful in this regard. But I think that, that a reckoning is coming. I, I don't think that it's malicious. I think that it comes from something kind of worse because I, I think it comes from a place of these male studio executives just disregarding women and constantly pushing us to the side and not really considering us in a full earnest way and that sucks and that's what I want to push back against anyways um this has been my first uh video essay this this is I'm putting this up on the YouTube and if you're watching this on YouTube, you can check out my other podcast episodes on Spotify. They don't have video, at least not yet. Um, but I wanted to try and explore this format because obviously I do a lot of talking on, on TikTok and other platforms by myself. And I, I don't know, I just kind of honestly wanted to see how far I could go. But this, this subject matter really is something that matters a lot to me. I know that in the traditional film world, um, people are very dismissive of the superhero genre and I think that that is I think that not only is it a little bit elitist I mean I don't I don't really want to get I don't want to I, I am pretentious in a lot of my own ways so I'm not trying to like be a be a hater here but I just think that the media that is of the moment populist media is so much more impactful than the people that consider themselves tastemakers want to admit and it might not make you happy that this is the media that's getting, you know, that's that's having an impact. But but that doesn't make it less impactful. Um, I happen to enjoy it, at least when it's done well. And I think that women and femme presenting people and 
you know, racially diverse people and queer and transgender people all deserve to see themselves represented in a way that feels just as meaningful and important as as the <laughs> cis straight white guys um, that dominated this genre for for a long fucking time. Um, so yeah, I, I I think that I think there's got to be better. I think there's got to be better. Certainly, there has to be better than Madam Web. Anyways, um, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you are enjoying The Broad Perspective, please leave me a rating or a review. I love it so much. It makes me so happy. I, I didn't mean for that please to sound so desperate, but in in the nature of Harley Quinn, I, I'll just desperately beg you here. I don't fucking care. Puddin? Will it help if I call you Puddin? Um, no, seriously. Thank you just for listening um, and sticking with me this long. I appreciate you guys so much. Um, next week, I promise you, we're continuing our discussion of um, the, the Oscar stuff uh, as the Oscars are rapidly coming up. So stay tuned for that. Uh, some movies coming up that I have been waiting to talk about for so fucking long um, because I I love them so much. Two of my absolute favorites in the Best Picture um, lineup. All right, this has been this has been the Madam Web episode. We fucking made it through. Uh, thanks so much, and see you next week. <laughs>